Welcome listeners to episode 44 of the Running Guide podcast, where I aim to provide informative content and interviews with elite athletes and health professionals from around the world, like in today's episode, where I'm chatting to a Brisbane runner who's a steeplechaser and a distance runner who just ran an exceptional 220 marathon on the Gold Coast last Sunday, and that you may have sighted over the years dressed as Superman, leading the charge down William Street in the city to surf. Welcome to the Running Guide podcast, Aidan Hobbs. Thanks, Aston. Good to uh, good to catch up with you, mate. Great to have you as a guest on the pod, mate. Uh, fantastic running on the gold, you mate. Let's chat about that. Uh, you must be stoked with that performance, two twenty. Yeah, no, I was pretty happy with that. The PB before that was um, two twenty-two. Uh, sorry, two twenty-three. So took a fair bit of time off. Um, it was kind of bittersweet though, because uh, place-wise, I was um, pretty happy with it. Um, the way that the race sort of unfolded, I felt. Uh, pretty good throughout there wasn't sort of any real sort of issues towards the end but i would have liked to have gotten under that uh 220 mark but yeah yeah 220 away yeah, yeah <laughs> I, was, I, was, I was gonna ask you that where you sort of look and think oh man last 400 i'm gonna have to go a sub 60 here yeah well that's right someone yelled out we were coming through um on the gold coast you've got all those tents along the side in yes. the last kilometer and just people banging on the fence on the side yeah. and cheering out and Someone's just yelled out, come on, Aiden, if you want to get under that 220, you're really going to have to move. Yeah. And uh, I sort of had the pace on um, from probably yeah, about uh, maybe about 1,500. I really started to wind it up um, heading in. And I was running with um, Patty Stowe and Nick Earl and uh, managed to kind of shake them towards the end. But, uh, yeah, I was really just trying to wind it up. But, yeah, didn't, just didn't have that extra nine seconds to get under. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, it reminds me of when Liam was up there a couple of years ago trying to run that 2.11.30 and he came in 2.11.36. So. Yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's only so much you can do. I caught up with Liam while I was there, actually. Okay. It was uh, another amazing run uh, from him. He did the, the half marathon on the Saturday and then um, bumped into him in, at the Elite Athlete Briefing and uh, he came out and helped pace through that lead group in 65. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's just incredible that he can back up like that. <laughs> he's, he's, he's unreal. And he, j- he just loves it, you know what I mean? Like, he just mm. continues to just love running. So that's, that's, you know, that's fantastic. I'd normally ask how you sort of pulled up. Um, we're going to go into the marathon a little bit more, but AKA being Superman, uh, you thought you'd go and run the Brisbane Trail Ultra 30K yesterday, <laughs> mate. Uh, that is, that's just nuts, you know, a week after running the marathon. And um, obviously you're running for the chocolates like all superheroes would. I'm sort of wondering if that 220 marathon's sort of uh, damaged a bit of the grey matter up top, mate. What do you reckon? Probably. I was actually, I was trying to keep that on the down low yeah. because uh, my coach, I, I knew that if he caught wind of me doing that uh, a week after Gold Coast, he wouldn't be too happy. Yeah. Um, it, it wasn't really the smartest thing to do, but they had a bit of prize money up and they gave me an entry because I'd won it last year. Okay. And uh yeah, it was just um, too good to refuse. So I, um, really? wow. I did it. I did it thinking that I'd, um, you know, just sort of take it easy. And you know, if I f- sort of finished a few places back in the field, it wasn't a major issue. But you know, it's just the the problem. As soon as you're on the start line, all of a sudden you kind of the competitive juices start flowing. And yeah. um, got into a, a battle with um, this other fellow, Antonio. He was a Spanish runner that uh, flown in from overseas. He won the Spartan World Trail Series last year, and um, him, the uh, the winner of the the women's race, they flew in as well. And uh, we ended up having quite a good battle, just back and forth on the trails. But I um, I took a wrong turn. Uh, well, up through Baden, I had a bit of a lead, and then we had uh, a set of traffic lights that we had to cross, and um, the police hadn't stopped the traffic, so. 
I just had to stand there and wait. And I'm, you know, my lead went from being sort of maybe a hundred meter gap to we were then side by side. And <clears throat> I managed to put in a bit more of a gap again, builds it back up by the time we got down to Milton. But I missed a pretty crucial right hand turn, ran straight. And by the time I realized, turned around, ran back. Uh, he gapped me by 100 metres with about 3k to go, so there was just no way I could get back on. But I think I got after that, it really just sort of mentally broke me and I just kind of jogged it in. But yeah, you know, yeah. second place was still pretty good, so I was yeah. happy with that anyway, especially a week after the marathon. Oh, definitely. And how the finishing time compared to last year? Uh, I think it was about five minutes slower. Okay. Um, it was a slightly different course, but right. uh, definitely it wasn't as fast. Like last year, uh, I had a pretty intense battle with uh, Ben Duffus, local trail runner, and, yeah, we were pretty much neck and neck the whole way. And Similar sort of thing, actually. I I had um, last year, I managed to get away on the hills, which I thought would be the opposite. I, I thought the, the trail and mountain running specialists would um, would have me covered on the hills, but I seem to really enjoy the hills. The, the hill session is one of my favourite sessions in the week, and I can kind of keep my heart rate down and um, keep, keep my pace up and, you know, we went up Mount Cutha twice, and both times I put in a pretty sizable gap. But then, uh, both last year and this year with uh, with Ben and with uh, Antonio, it's just on the downhill. The trail runners, it's it's like it's a different sport. They just come flying down, uh, no regard at all for their life or safety, and um, they just throw themselves down the mountain. And uh, yeah, it makes it a bit difficult to keep up with them. Yeah. Okay. So how, how did the pins pull up after the marathon? Surely there was some soreness. Yeah, well, on the Monday I was pretty sore. Um, we, we stayed on the Gold Coast uh, until Wednesday, had a bit of a, a family holiday, which was nice. The, the weather wasn't too great for it, though. We were kind of stuck inside most of the time because it was raining. But yeah. went out on the Monday with uh, my son Levi, he's six years old, and he kind of sees me out and about running. And um, I, usually I sort of wouldn't take him on a jog, but I figured, well, you know, maybe if he wants to come for the first K, we'll go for a bit of a jog just dragged my legs through it and yeah he really enjoyed that so he ran for a k and then i sort of took off and uh my wife peter she had the pram so um, she just yeah run with levi for the rest but it was good along the gold coast there so bumped into sort of a few people who were staying um for the marathon so brady trollfall was out and um dave ridley was out for a job as well yeah it was kind of yeah a bit sore on the monday um just 5k on the Monday, um, 6k on the Tuesday, 7k on the Wednesday, and by the Wednesday, I think you know the the doms had sort of worn off, and uh, I was right to go uh, on Thursday. I went for about 11k, and then uh, Friday was sort of back into my usual routine of um, you know like a, a run in the morning and a run in the afternoon. It was about 9k um, morning, 9k afternoon, and then yeah into the trail race on Saturday. Yeah. Do you do and did you do any sort of like rehab so, or it's just old school, just rest and let the, let the legs recover? Yeah. Well, back in, uh, so probably in previous years after a marathon, I would usually just take a break so I wouldn't run for a week. But um, about oh, a year and a half ago uh, in January last year, I was um, chatting to one of my training partners, Brendan Press, and I can't remember how we got onto the subject but he basically uh, challenged me to run every day of the year um he sort of bet me a, a case of beer and i said oh it's going to be too easy for me to just sort of say no and and, and just skip a day and then he's like right oh, well about two cases of beer and i went oh okay yeah, all right let's let's do it you're on 
And um, sure enough, I like I well the the week or the month after that, I or within two weeks, I think it was, I ended up tearing my hamstring and I could barely move, but I just kind of dragged my leg through 5k uh, every day and. I think actually running every day kind of helped with the recovery and, and the rehab. So okay. uh, ever since then, um, you know, I've had hamstring tears, calf tears, um, had COVID, been really sort of sick with with a flu, uh, but I've still managed to keep up that 5K a day. And, you know, I think just even really slow jogging, I think that has a lot of benefits in, in terms of um yeah, just keeping the legs ticking over, and I've, I've probably found that yeah, my recovery has improved a lot as a result. So okay. yeah, now I try to keep jogging every day. Good old Sean Crichton down here. He's uh he's on this streak where he just <laughs> gets out and runs yeah. every day, and and you know sometimes he's really knocked around or he's crook, and but uh, he's got to do it. I think it's three k before it. It's, you got to do three k for it if you consider the runs. Can't remember how long the streak is, but. And when yeah, I was talking to other runners, you know, such as yourself who, who do doubles and that, they say, you know, the double is, a, you know, a bit of volume building, but more importantly, it's actually as a recovery run. And if they don't actually do yeah. that afternoon run, when they've got to turn up for the next session, you know, the legs don't feel as good. So it's just as much that circulation and that recovery process more than what people think is just about volume building. Yeah, well, that's it. My um, my coach at the moment, I train with uh, Pat Clahessy. You know, I've been with Pat since probably 2000 and. 2006 maybe 2007 and uh we've got a couple of other coaches who are um, sort of helping step in now pat's sort of getting a bit on in years but he still comes out to the track every tuesday thursday afternoon but um my other coach uh, john purcell and paul sacosta uh, john came out to the marathon um last weekend and there was a function afterwards that uh cam hart the director of Gold coast marathon put on and they had all of the um event ambassadors there so like uh steve monaghetti pat carroll Rob De Costello, Benita Willis, uh, you know, everyone was there, and mm-hmm. they each kind of gave a bit of a speech afterwards. It was really great to hear some insights from them. But Coach John, they uh, caught up with Deke um, afterwards because a lot of the um, well, Pat Clahessy's uh, training philosophies, Deke was um, a real sort of advocate for, and he was trying to get some ideas around some new sessions for us. And yeah, just one of the main things that he was saying was like. A lot of the the, tra- the ways that those sub 210 guys, like the training methods that they had back in the day, they're not kind of being followed as much these days. But, you know, there's a, a lot of wisdom in, in what they used to do. And one of the things that he really emphasised was, you know, when you do your hard sessions, do them hard. But when you do your, um, your days in between, just, you know, as my coach, as Pat would say, just darn well jog around, uh, you know, take it easy. There's no yeah. need to rush it. There's, uh, yeah, it's pretty important just making sure that you get those recovery runs in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, there's the old saying around that most people don't run hard enough when they're meant to run hard, but then they run too hard when they're meant to run easy. So finding that balance in between, isn't it? Obviously, you said you like running up hills. Have you done six-foot track? Because that sounds like it would be perfect for you. Yeah, I haven't yet, but um, it's definitely something I'd like to yeah. to have a go at. I don't know. I haven't really thought about it, but uh, entries, they usually open towards the end of the year, don't they? It's uh, Is it February? Uh, March. It's the start of March, March. and yeah, I think that it normally opens up at the end of the year. Might be November. Is it that early beforehand? Maybe. Um, But yeah, that sounds like it'd be perfect for you. Yeah, I'll have to have a look because I guess the challenge at the moment is I've really been enjoying the track season. 
I do the um, the steeplechase through through summer, and I was lucky enough this year that uh, the times that I've run sort of in the previous season have been able to get me into a few of the uh, the track classic runs around Australia, and went down to Melbourne and Adelaide. Got to run at the nationals down in Sydney, so I think nationals in Sydney is sort of around the first weekend of April. So if I do six foot, that might possibly knock me out for that. But yeah, I don't know, maybe in future years anyway. Once I get a bit too old and slow for the track. Well, at the moment you're moving really well on the track, so we'll cover that in a sec. Um, but I was just looking at your three thousand meter steeple chase PB. If it's up to date, as I said, IWF sometimes gets it wrong, but that's April 2021 that got you down there as an 8.50.22. Would that be right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I had a real uh, bit of a purple patch there with uh, the steeplechase. There was uh, the Brisbane Track Classic up here, and there was just a really strong field, and I ended up getting dragged along on the back of the pack and kind of held on and pulled. It was um, running behind uh, Joe Burgess down there from, from Sydney. We Joe, that that whole season um, and it, ever since, I always seem to be about a second or two behind him. I've never been able to get ahead of him, so he's he's always got one up on me. But um, that year, uh, he was um, just in front, and I was sort of clawing him back. But he, yeah, I, I think he really pulled me through to a PB there, and then. Uh, after that, it was kind of like a bit of a breakthrough moment for me. I sort of went, well, if I can do that, anything's possible. And yeah, yeah just ran just under that um, that time at nationals there for my PB for 50. But yeah. I wasn't able to do it again this season. But I, I definitely think that you know, with uh, a good training base behind me, then yeah, I should be able to try to get under that this season. Bucks and nippers are usually the guys up front, aren't they? They're they're going really well on that. Hanging to see how it goes. They're having comp games there too with Bucks. Buckingham, Ben Buckingham, I should say. Yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, no, it should be good. It's um yeah, we've had a lot of good steeplechases just in you know the last year or so that are sort of coming through and a few juniors coming through now as well. So yep. it should be exciting to see. Traditionally the steeplechase it's kind of been seen as perhaps one of the weaker events in, in terms of uh, yeah, who we've got in the fields. But I think at the moment it would, it's really the opposite. We've got such uh, yeah, strong specialist steeplechases out there. It's um, yeah, really exciting for the sport. Yeah, yeah, no, it's good you're still running them and, and running them fast. I mean, you know, 35 now, so a lot of guys tend to st- stop running it maybe when they move on to the longer distance runs on the road. But no, it's great you're still doing it. It's amazing actually going back to Sean. Sean's still got that, that national record yeah. set back in uh, 93, 8.16. Interested to know how, how close Nippers or, or Ben Scott to it. Surely he's going under 20. Uh, oh, yeah, I should know where they're up to at the moment. Um, I think Ed Trippis is getting pretty close as well okay. over in the US yep. there. Um, yep. I, I was thinking that Kai Robinson, he's another Brisbane-based runner, um, he would get close, but I think he's now really uh, focusing more on the 5 and 10K, So, yep. which is a bit sad because, you know, I, I really think that, yeah, they he probably would have had a, a real shot at it sort of in the next year or two, but who knows, he might have another crack. Let's have a look at your PBs here. The amazing thing is, you know, they've all been set in the last 18 months, majority of them. So, yeah, you're flying over all distances from, from the track, from 1,500. And like we just mentioned, you've just ran the PB in the marathon. So it's just awesome. So let's just quickly chat about the 800. That was in, in Brizzy up there, uh, Feb 21, 159.03, sub 60 laps. Yeah, I uh, I am definitely not a fan of the 800. Sure. Um, but I think... Um, 
Yeah, my coach is uh, pretty keen on the speed. Like he's really all about that uh, fast um, ground reaction time and high leg turnover, good cadence. And, um, you know, being able to run a good 800 metres really sort of sets you up for the 1500 and then, you know, you can get a good 1500 uh, on the board, then you'll run strong over the three. And it continues you know, on, isn't it? That's it. That's it. So, you know, I think it's, um, I, I really, it's good as well, like for a bit of variety. Like I love that I can do just about every event there is like yeah. you know running is running if i can get out and run a good 800 and get in a steeplechase and then get on the roads and do some fun runs and do some cross country do some trail runs get a marathon in yeah i'm just really enjoying being able to run well sort of across all distances this oh, year like i set my um 1500 meter and uh marathon pb in the same year so it's I don't know, I guess the training that I'm doing kind of works for both, but yeah, maybe it probably could also be a weakness. Maybe I need to specialise a bit more. So the problem with our squad at the moment is we've got a whole bunch of juniors who are sort of running around that 1500, 3K, 5K distance. So if they're doing a session, then I kind of just jump in with them. So it's been good for my shorter distance, but um, yeah, I probably need to do a few more special, specialised uh, marathon sessions as well. Yeah, well, I mean, just going through I mean, your PBs pretty much from the start of 21, 800, 1500, 3, 5, 10, steeplechase, 10K on the road, half marathon, a marathon. They've all been set within that time period. So like you said, you know, you're loving doing them all, but you're doing them all extremely well. So I think it comes down to um, consistency as well. Clearly, like, yep. I guess, um, you know, I, I took a bit of time off uh, from running. I've sort of been running since I was in high school, but moved away um, up north to sort of the outback for a while and I got back in 2015 and each year I've kind of just gradually increased um sort of the intensity and of sessions and the, the weekly mileage and now to the point where sort of over the last three years I've really been able to hit like some good um, consistent weekly mileage and, and I think yeah just getting in those extra k's and accumulating them over a long period of time it makes a huge difference I mean running is just not one of those sports where you can instantly expect that you know you get in a few months of training from zero and you'll be able to really reach your potential if if you want to run well you really need to be in it for a number of years and to be in it for a number of years you just need to really love the sport so it's kind of with um you know with a lot of the juniors you just hope that they they develop that love for the sport early on so as that they can continue it on and really reach their potential one of the only reasons that i can do the running that i do is because uh, of the support from from Peter and, and the kids, they, uh, Peter especially, she pulls a lot of the weight and, and does a lot to make sure that I can get out there every day, twice a day. So it's um, it's definitely a team effort there, I think, and uh, she does a lot to help me to to get the results that I do. So, mate, let's just I'll just go through your PBs: fifteen hundred, three fifty three oh four. That was Jan started this year in Sydney. Then the three thousand that was February up there on the Goldie last year, twenty one. That was 8.13.56, 5,000, 14, 15, 34, November 2021 up in Brizzy. And then the 10,000, 30, 29, 33, September up there in Brizzy in 2021. They're all correct? Yep. Any of those events you want to chat about? Um, Anything like special around the event or, or what it meant or how the race unfolded or any anything that happened in it that you're surprised by or all, all the training indicators were saying that you were going to run well that night yeah i think um well the 10,000 i've uh, i've never really been able to to run a good 10,000 or 10k um 
I don't know, it's uh, it's sort of been the event where, yeah, I, it's always just really challenged me. Um, but then I was um, building up for Gold Coast and ended up uh, with a bit of an injury and getting COVID, being a bit sick. And um, the, the guys that I trained with, they were kind of saying, well, maybe just skip the marathon because you haven't had that specific build and just target a 10K instead. And I thought, well, no, I want to do still do the marathon, but also pretty keen on a 10K. So I went down to Launceston and did the 10K road down there. And um, so my track PB is still, yeah, that was it, 30? 29. 29, yeah. But on the road, I've, I've done that 29, um, 20, I think it was 26. 27, um, I got it. 27, yeah. Um, so keen to get another track 10,000 um, under my belt. Um, I think the 5,000 was a good one. Uh, that was state 5,000 metre champs. And we had a pretty good field in that race. Callum Davies uh, led it out and... He was kind of taking turns on the front with uh, Liam Booden. And I think towards the end, just after sort of doing the work on the front, Liam sort of got, he tired a bit and sort of dropped back. But uh, me and Kieran Perkins then sort of latched onto the back of, of Callum. Yeah, we sort of just wound it up gradually to the point where it came down to an all-out an all sprint with 200 metres to go. And, yeah, I just remember that feeling of that night. It was just a real fast and furious finish. And it's a, a really good feeling to be able to move that quick and then get across the line and know that you've sort of run um, a quick time. So I think the 5,000, I really enjoy. It's a good distance because it's just long enough that you can, um, it starts to get, a, you build a bit of fatigue just from the, the distance, but you can also run it pretty quick as well. Yeah. So I think the next goal for that, like after that race, um, Kieran, he just kept improving. He got his 5K time down to that 13.59. So yeah, if I could get sort of low 14 or sort of duck under that that 14, I think that would be yeah, a good goal to work towards next season. And have you run Zatopec before? I mean, the, the way you're running now, surely you get into the A race for that. Yeah, I did. I got into so after that five thousand, I um I just put that time down and I thought, oh, well, there's no harm. I'll just see whether or not they put me in the field. And yeah, they they gave me a start down there this year at Zatapec. And um, yeah, I don't know. I think my preparation probably wasn't ideal for that, but um, the, it was a really sort of hot, humid night. And um, being from Brisbane, you'd think that I'd be well acclimatized for it. But the problem was is that and all the other Queenslanders that went down as well. Uh, I think we all probably performed out of everyone for the worst. Um, we, yeah, all the Queenslanders seemed to have a bad night in the heat, but it was, um, I think the other guys had been down at Falls Creek, so they weren't heat adapted. And I spent the last two weeks in uh, in Sydney in the cold, so I wasn't heat adapted as well. And yeah, I just remember doing it pretty tough, got to around the 7K mark and yeah, I was pretty cooked. So. Yeah, Zatapak wasn't a real great race for me this year, but I'm keen to maybe have another crack, um, see what happens with state 10,000 champs. And, you know, who knows, they might take my road time or, um, yeah, if I can try to get under that. Like, if I can get around a similar time on the track or maybe under, then, yeah, that's what I'll be aiming for at the state 10,000 this year. Let's talk about your half marathon, 66.05, June, up there in Brizzy, mate. That was a good run. Yeah, no, I was really happy with that. I I mentioned before that I had a few issues. I had I t- strained my calf muscle 
um, I don't know what was happening with it. It wasn't like a, a real severe strain because I've managed to recover after about seven days of just easy jogging. I think I had a few sort of neurological issues where it was just really tight and um, I was out jogging. Oh, I did a hill session and then was out doing the cool down and all of a sudden it just locked up on me and yeah, the next day I could barely move. And then just kind of easy jogged for a week and then it started to come good. I went out for a, um, a run we, uh, we've got like a, a Sunday long run group that we sort of a few different people from different groups come together and we all just go for a long run to, uh, on the Sunday morning. And I figured, well, I'll, I'll jump in with them and see how I go. The longest I'd run before that was about 7K, but it uh, was feeling that, you know, the calf was good to go again. And then uh, if it was going to cause me a problem, I could just jump on one of the e-scooters that, that brought me around town. And I had my phone on me just in case I needed to use one of those e-scooters. And uh, my wife, while I was out, she sent me a message and said our son had COVID and brought it home from school. Okay. So I um, went from seven days of easy jogging with my calf to seven days of isolation. Uh, I was only really, like COVID hit me really hard for about a day, kind of. <laughs> Just jumped on the treadmill and dragged myself through while I was feverish and pretty uh, feeling pretty rough. But then, yeah, after that, I came good and managed to get in a few sort of strides on the treadmill in isolation and came out. The, the week after that, I did a, I sort of gradually eased into a few sessions, like really cautious because I know that, you know, some people get really, they're, they're hit pretty hard with COVID and I didn't want to do anything sort of too crazy and put myself backwards but um i just really sort of listened to the body and only did what i felt i was comfortable doing and uh after a few sessions i was really ready to just let rip in a, a good hard session so i did a, a 10k tempo and really sort of relaxed and comfortable um and i ran that in about 31 40 but felt just really comfortable the whole way felt like i could have kept going so i thought that's a real good indicator signed up for the Brisbane half and um, yeah just seemed to have a, a really good run I mean it's not sort of the fastest course there's a few hills and things in it and um, it was uh, another fellow uh, lucky cook um, we've had a few sort of good battles over the 5k he's had me in a couple of races and I've had him in a, in, in a couple of others but uh, we're pretty sort of maybe uh, evenly matched I think in in that regard but I, he was in the half marathon as well and i thought we were going to have a bit of a battle um the whole way through but i think he might have been taking it a bit easier on me because mm -hmm. i he sort of dropped off after the first k and i was sort of running solo after that calf was good yeah no the calf was good yeah, yeah. it was fine yeah. since i've yeah had a few sort of niggles with it but is it yeah, in that know. sort of normal normal spot where the calf sort of always plays up in that little tendon junction area oh uh, no it was actually more in the muscle belly Okay, um, like in the, in the middle of it. Yeah, and I think, I don't know, it was kind of like a twitchy thing. It was um, all of a sudden it would just lock up and wouldn't let go. And it yeah, just, okay. uh, Had you yeah, done like track sessions with some spikes on or something in the weeks leading into it that upset it or there was nothing you could put your finger on it? Or? Yeah, no, I've probably done less track, se track okay. sessions over winter. So, um, yeah, I probably should have seen someone about it, gone into in training or something, see the physio or podiatrist, but... Uh, well, the week later you went down the lawn and you ran that 29.27 on the road for the 10. So maybe that downtime with COVID sort of uh, bounced you back. Well, that, 
That's it, yeah, probably just having a bit of a rest because yeah. I had been hitting some pretty high weekly mileage. Yeah. I was joking to my coach that, um, you know, things that usually knock people out and uh, sort of make them run slower, they tend to be performance enhancing for me. So I need to get COVID and, uh, <laughs> and calf strains more often. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, forced rest, it sounds like you like to get out uh, every day, so maybe the forced rest. But you, you say That's you were it. still like having a jog on the treadmill even during that period? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, haven't, yeah. I still haven't missed a day. I've been, yeah, yeah okay. last year and a half, just minimum of 5K every day. Yeah, no, it's working for you, mate. It must be the circulation. Yeah, and I think, you know, different things work for different people sure. as well. Like yeah. that's the other thing. I'd, yep. I'd never at all sort of recommend to, to anyone else do the same as what I'm doing sure. because, yeah, it probably would be quite hazardous and, and risky. But that's it. I think that's one of the things I've over the years I've kind of worked out what I can get away with and what I what I sort of feel as though works best for me and yeah. um, I kind of combine that knowledge with um, the advice from my coach. It's good having John challenge me on doing stupid things and also the other guys in my squad as well. I do some things that I know I probably should shouldn't do and I I get that feeling of guilt because I know that they'll pull me up on it and I think it's it's that balance of you know, me listening to my body and knowing what I can do and what I can get away with and knowing what I, what works for me, but then also having them there to make sure that uh, I'm held accountable for not sort of taking too many risks and, and that seem, seems to have worked so far. Let's head back a few years, mate, because uh, you mentioned there before um, you had a break from running, you ran at school, but uh, we'll sort of break that down a little bit more because your results sort of start around 2016. So it made me think, you know, what was Aiden doing before 2016 now that you're 35? So, you know, you would have been about 28, 29 back then when I could see the results start to uh, tick over. So what were you up to before then? You mentioned you're up, up north. but uh, let's, So let's start back to when you started running and then why you sort of gave it up. Yeah, well, I, I first got into running when I was eight years old. Um, so I've since I was eight years, since I yeah, was eight years old, I think from then I would have always regarded myself as a runner. Like if you were to ask me, tell me about yourself, probably the first word I'd sort of think of would be, you know, I'm Aiden, I'm a runner. Was there um, a reason for that? Was it the environment you were in where you're getting influence well, from other people? Yeah, well, my I grew up in a family that really, like my mum and dad, um, they're really not into sport at all. And uh, I just, it was through, you know, the local uh, or the school athletics carnival and school cross country. I seemed to just really enjoy doing all the, the events and I, I was kind of naturally pretty good at it like I wouldn't necessarily win the my age group at, at a school level but I was always up the front and I think that I really just enjoyed the reward and the com- competition aspects of that and then and my this, grandparents, is in, this is in Brisbane oh no yeah this was in Sydney so I grew up okay. um yeah, grew up in Western Sydney in Blacktown there at right. Prospect and um, went to Blacktown South Public School local primary school down there and my grandparents they said to me uh, when I was eight uh, during come and do the city to surf um, they've done it a fair few years in the past and I went yep that sounds good I'll, I'll come and run the city to surf and they took us out on the course so they drove um, the day before and, and showed us where it goes and and if we got lost at the end um, this is where you meet up and they had sort of letters along the beach there and uh, it was yeah, fantastic. This it was just opened up a new world to me. Um, you know, growing up in the western suburbs of Sydney, it was there wasn't really much much there, and all of a sudden, um, you know, we go to this fun run where there's you know like eighty odd thousand people. It was 
yeah, pretty incredible. And from yeah, the first time I did it, I just loved it and went back and yeah, I've done it every year since. So I think I'm up to about 28 years in a row. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So there's, let's talk about the move away from running. Yeah. Well, I um. Well, I guess as I sort of got through high school, I got really a lot more into it. I went and um, went to Westfield Sports High. It was a, a specialist sort of sports school, and that was really good. I, at the time, I was training with James Fitzgerald, uh, Jimbo down there in Sydney. He's uh, over at the University of or Sydney Uni, a coach over there at the moment, and um, that was good. I think at the time, I probably was not really pushing myself to my real to my capabilities then but it was I was still enjoying it which I think was the most important thing it kept me in the sport and yeah just kept doing it for fun uh but then when I finished high school I moved down to Wagga I did a year of um, medical science down there and that's when I really just there wasn't really much sort of high level competition it was just sort of a social uh running club and the triathlon club there and I kept, you know, I'd jump in them with them just as a weekend warrior type thing and maintained a bit of fitness, but yeah, I wasn't really doing too much there. But then I moved up to Brisbane after that in 2006, and uh, that's when I jumped in with um, yeah, Pat Clohessy. And uh, they, he had a squad there that yeah, had like Peter Noel, the steeplechaser, and uh, Nick Lorenz, and Danny Russell, and yeah, there was a whole group of the sort of UQ Athletics Club runners. and. They sort of opened my eyes a bit more as to what it looked like to be a competitive adult runner. And, yeah, I sort of started to get back into it again and was running sort of low 15 for the 5K. Um, I won the Brisbane Marathon in 2008. That was kind of the, the last major race that I did before I sort of then 2009. Kind of, I ended up tearing my hamstring like a real major tear. And that put me out for a good six months. I just kind of gave it away then. And, and that's when I sort of moved out. I, I was doing podiatry at the time and um, moved out to Mount Isa and was doing remote outreach work. So flying around to remote Indigenous communities and just the fly-in flight work. We were travelling to a different community each week. So didn't really uh, have the time to be able, or the energy to be able to run at all. Like it was um, really exhausting work, but good fun it was a bit different so I just kind of kept up the, the social running I might do the occasional triathlon or fun run or that sort of thing but um yeah okay. moved back to Brisbane in 2015 and that's when I really started getting back into it from there so Brisbane marathon 2008 you said mm. yeah what time did you run there uh that was 243 243 was... and you got the chocolates yeah well that's right it was um I don't know. I probably didn't really have any business winning it uh, with a 2:43. It was my, and my training probably wasn't at all enough. I think to really run a good marathon either. I really just sort of um, like I, I think my biggest week would have been about 140k, and uh, I was fit over 5k and 10k, but I don't think I really had enough um, of those longer runs, those longer sessions that I really needed to run well. But, uh, yeah, I think it was probably just a bit of a life, a smaller field. There was um, a fella, Moroccan runner, who had moved to Brisbane and he'd sort of been doing a lot of the local fun runs and picking up all the prizes there. He won the race in uh, 2007. His name was Abdullah Batal. And, yeah, he lined up on the start line and um, I was there with him and he took off like a flash. Um, the first couple of K, uh, he was straight off and I sort of jumped on the back of him and 
as soon as he realised that he hadn't sort of gapped the full field that I'd sort of stuck with him, instantly he just kind of switched off and let me run to the front. So I jumped on and uh, we ended up just having this cat and mouse battle for 42k. Uh, I would be on the front the whole way I was on the front, but then every couple of k he'd just test me to see how my legs were and he'd surge past and I'd then jump back on and uh, and as soon as he realised that I, he hadn't shaken me, he'd sort of ease off and let me go to the front again. And we did that up until about 10K to go. Uh, it was at the regatta um, just along the Bicentennial Bikeway. And by that stage, running a marathon fart, like it would sort of taken it out of my legs. And he took off again and I just went, no, you can, you can have it. I'm done. I'm cooked. And um, started what I thought was going to be a very long death march uh, home and um kept going and yeah there was a few people on the side that i knew they were saying oh you know you're going well he's looking like he's in pain you can you can get him you can get him and uh got down to the botanical gardens with probably about uh, maybe 4k to go and uh, i spotted him up ahead and he was looking in a world of pain and uh as i came up past him he sort of stopped um dead in his tracks uh bent down and sort of crouched down on the ground and stretched out his arms in front and I just like I was trying to work out what he was doing and it looked as though it was some sort of yeah like put his arms out in front of him to surrender but I think what had happened he, he must have cramped out up and uh, he was just trying to stretch out um and as but as soon as I came past he jumped up and uh, tried to get back on me but I knew that well if I was going to shake him I had to put in a bit of a surge to mm. So he didn't sort of hang on again, and that was going up over the Goodwill Bridge and, um, yeah, surged over the bridge and managed to gap him and, yeah, got home first. So at, at the time, like, I was 21 years old, I think, so it was a pretty big thing for me. I mean, it wasn't the fastest time, but it was still a win, so. And what made you have a go at the marathon at that age? Uh, I think I've always just been the sort of person that, goes that's oh, a running event give it a go i'm always keen to try new things and i'd done a lot of the, the smaller fun ones and thought oh, i'll see how i go over the marathon i mean as a 21 year old i probably should have yeah rather than trying to go all the way up to the the top like the longest distance to start with uh, in hindsight i think i really should have spent a lot more time focusing on the 15 the, the three the five get my times down get competitive and yeah once i've built that space of speed work then sort of look at the marathon but you know i didn't really probably know what i was doing as much back then um as what i know now so and you mentioned before that um you were doing some um podiatry work so you actually did a degree and became a podiatrist yeah well i um i originally got into podiatry because you know as a runner um it's feet podiatry kind yep. of makes sense yep. um, there's a lot of podiatrists who are runners have done the same thing like you got maddie clark and uh tommy yeah, Nita, and uh, yeah, Tom DeCanto, um, Steve Manning as well, who owns In Training up here in Brisbane, and his wife Margot. So it's yeah, um, yeah bad, there's always bag and podiatrists and saying all you guys do is clip old old ladies' uh, toenails. You know? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> well, actually, yeah, that was kind of one of the things that sort of burnt me out of it a little bit. But um, yeah. I got into podiatry because I was really keen on the sports podiatry side of things. Sure. All through yeah. uni, that's all that I was interested in, and. There's like a, there's other sides of podiatry as well, um, particularly with diabetes. Like it causes okay. a lot of issues sure. with um, with people if you don't have sensation circulation, you can 
become quite vulnerable to ulceration and amputation and things. So um, the high-risk diabetic foot management was sort of another stream. And uh, a lot of people who were sort of going through podiatry were more interested in that side of things. And yeah, okay. I was always interested in sport. But then yeah. when I graduated, uh, there was... I had a job lined up in Brisbane at a small podiatry clinic and that kind of fell through at the last minute. And by that stage, all of the, the jobs had been taken because all the other podiatrists in my year, they'd sort of all had things lined up. It, there really just wasn't anything left. And I was in the Army Reserves at the time and my um, a medical officer in my platoon, he, we, I was good friends with him back then. We sort of went out... Um, uh, bushwalking and things on weekends and I stay in touch with him now he's a, a real good guy Nam Tran he said uh, leave it with me I'm gonna I'll find I'll find a, a job for you so he went and spoke to all the podiatrists he knew managed to find uh, there was a lady up in Mount Isa who just opened up a clinic and she said I've I've got a, a job up here if you're interested and I said yep great fantastic I'll, I can start from next week and had no idea where Mount Isa was, what it involved or anything. So mm. it was um, a bit of a shock to the system moving like a thousand kilometres away from Brisbane into the middle of nowhere. Yeah. You're, you're single at that time? Or? Yeah, single. Yeah. yeah. So um, at the time I was doing fly-in, fly-out work. So yeah. I would go up to Mount Isa for a couple of weeks and like for three weeks and then come back to Brisbane for one. So I could yeah. still um, keep all my friends and, uh, and things down here. But after a while... I ended up uh, bumping into my wife, Peter, and we got engaged and, and married. So moved up there full time. And I went from doing um, just sort of general podiatry in Mount Isa to doing community outreach work. So working with a lot of the remote Indigenous communities. And I think I really got a lot out of that. Was that just in uh, Queensland? Yeah. So yeah. just up in, um, sort of around the Gul Gulf of Carpentaria. Okay. So yeah. sort of around Doomadgee, Mornington Island, Normanton, Corumba. Um, Burketown, a lot of those communities out there. So a lot of travel by road, a lot of travel by like little six-seater planes. And yep, okay. we'd fly around with a, uh, an allied health um, multidisciplinary team. So we'd be on a plane with like a physio, uh, dietitian, psychologist, OT. Okay. Uh, and it was, yeah, it was really good. I think with podiatry, I guess, if you're working in private practice, you're sort of in a practice uh, often by yourself with, mm. with other um, podiatrists. But the great thing about this was that, you know, I'd go out and uh, throw a backpack on with my instruments and walk around the community with the dietitian and we'd sit down with um, with people in the community and, you know, we'd have a conversation about food, about, um, like, foot care and, and things. So it was a real sort of holistic approach to, to healthcare and, um, you know, I, I really enjoyed a lot of the high-risk management stuff as well. So. Yep. I got into podiatry to do sports podiatry, and in the end, I barely did any. So I'm a little bit rusty now. People will say, oh, you're a podiatrist. Can you help me out with this injury? And I'm like, oh, like the last sports podiatry stuff I've done is probably about 12 years ago. So yeah. I'm, I'm not the right one to speak to. <laughs> yeah. So what sort of uh, work do you do now? Something similar to that? Yeah, well, I moved from podiatry into health service management. Okay. So I'm doing health uh, health planning at the moment. I work for an organisation called Checkup. We coordinate health outreach services around Queensland. So a lot of the, the funding programs that I was delivering services under as a podiatrist, I'm now coordinating. And I guess rather than you know, looking at feet, clipping toenails and uh, putting dressings on wounds and um, providing advice around diabetes and things, now I'm... 
looking at spreadsheets and uh, uh, maps and, and working out where the needs for health services are and consultation and engagement as well. Yeah. So, is that from home? Uh, well, we since COVID, we have um, we've kind of shifted to working remotely, but. Um, yeah, we're kind of mostly sort of back in the office now. So, okay. But we can do it either way from home or the office, which is good. Yep, yep. Um, Sounds like you're under that, an underpass with trucks going over the top of you, mate. Uh, yeah, we're on Moggle Road. We've got um, – it's a pretty busy road. Just uh, I've got my office set up and I can kind of see the traffic. So you can navigate your training around that. I was just wondering maybe you're working from home and you can sort of control the hours that you're working. But, you know, like obviously you're running doubles most days. So how are you sort of working around that like like most people? Yeah. Just have yeah, to get well, out and get it done or? It's a good question. I mean, um, one of the biggest challenges when you start building up all the extra Ks is just working out the time to fit it in. Like I think when I'm running about 150, 160K a week, uh, if you're going upwards of sort of 12 hours purely just of running time, like that's not taking into account getting ready, getting shoes on, um, you know, getting out the door or even driving to training as well because you know, we do a fair bit of training out at UQ, so it takes a bit of time to get there and back. It, it really adds up, but... I guess what I've tried to do is um, create as many efficiencies as I can. Uh, like when I when I'm in the office, I'll run. I'll just throw on like a running vest. But I've got chuck um, a few things for work in there. And if I run to work, it means that you know that's half an hour that I don't need to spend sitting in traffic, uh, getting frustrated, uh, stuck behind other cars. I can just run straight past everyone, and that's my training run for the morning. And do the same thing on the way home so it's what about strength and conditioning time. yeah well for a while there i was doing a bit of gym work but i guess you know that that's one of the things where uh where i don't have the time it was probably yep. one of the first things i'd sort of cut out but uh we do a fair bit of hill work um, every tuesday we're out on the hill and i find that you know that gives a lot of really good sort of specific Strength work for me. So I assume you'd be heading down the city to surf in five weeks? Yeah, I'll be down there. Last year I was having a look, you ran 44 something, I can't remember the exact time, you'll be able to tell me, finishing ninth position. That included running in in the suit, mate. Uh, I was wondering if you thought about ditching the, the, the cape this year and going for a sub 44, or are you going to still line up a Superman? Is that is that part of the deal where you've got to do it, or you thought, could I run a little bit quicker if I ditch the suit? Well, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the city to surf, for me has always just been the fun event. Yeah, okay. um, yeah. I do, like there's races that I target and I want to run really fast in yep. um, throughout the year, but the City to Surf is one where I kind of just go, I don't care whether I run you know, 44 minutes or 60 minutes or, you know, if I just jog it in, it's, it's for me, the, the goal with the City to Surf is always just to make sure without fail every year I'm there and whatever happens while I'm there, doesn't that that's of okay. secondary importance yeah, yeah so um i don't know like it's kind of become a bit of a tradition now i feel as though i probably need to keep it going so yeah i think i'll probably bring out the superman suit this year i saw when you when you ran that 44 in 2019 last time it was on you uh you headed back to the start and then ran it again with with your wife and, and your child yeah well that's been another tradition so yeah. um uh, levi and uh and, and nathan and you know, our, our daughter she's um, six months old they've all done the pseudo surf every year since they were born so yeah. keep that tradition going for as long as they've got an interest in it so and, how many um, years have you done consecutively uh well i've done it 28 
Wow. Years. I think it's 28. But the first year was 1995. Yeah, right. Um, and yeah, the boys. So they're six and four. So they've done it every year since they were born. Uh, in the pram. Yep. So I, yep. I run back to the start and oh, catch the um, catch a bus back to the start usually, and then meet Peter and, and run back to Bondi with them. Because those buses that take you back, surely that they're not. I mean, you're finishing in 44 minutes. I mean, they don't normally get going for an hour after when most people come in or can you get on uh, yeah i think they they leave pretty quickly oh, okay. like within within half an hour i think i right. usually get my bag and um spare change of clothes and yep. things and yeah i'm on the bus and it, it takes you to um parallel to where the um yeah where the start line is so yeah. i kind of i cut in a few side streets and just sort of meet peter before you get up to the, yeah. the top of the tunnel there at, the, at king's cross oh okay yeah because we normally jog back i think it's about 8k you just go back the fastest way and uh yeah it's funny you sort of jogging back down i normally park down the opera house there and uh jogging down there and there's still waves about to start it's just it's like wow <laughs> Look, it's good. I haven't done it 28 times. That must be some sort of record. Have you got any idea where you sit? There's probably some, oh, some no. blokes getting around and done it like 30 or 40 years. Oh, yeah. There's legends out there who have done it from, I think, the, the first one. I don't know when the first one was. Was it like back in the 70s or something? Yeah, it would have to be. Yeah, I, I did my first one at 10 and that was 81. And uh, I think they were still getting 35, 40,000 people then. That's when uh, yeah. When Deke, uh, Deke was flying, when he ran his, oh, I should remember, was it 4008? Something like that. 40. No, I think I've, I've got uh, consistency and age on my side in terms yeah. of um, longevity for it. I started when I was eight years old. It so sounds like you turn the city fun. surf into a bit of a family uh, weekend away every year. It's a good event for that. I think because, uh, you know, my grandparents, they... They sort of started it, and mm. um, my granddad this year, he's still, like, he's got a few health issues, but he's still uh, signed up to do it, and he'll, I think, walk jog it as best he can. So Obviously, you're flying at the moment, uh, all those PBs, just about every time you whack on a bib, mate, you're, you're PBing, so it uh, makes sense when you're hot, your miles will keep, keep going, keep the streak alive. Do you sort of look at, you know, obviously, is that the risk of doing a little bit too much, you know, the uh, the old capacity versus load type thing. Now, you mentioned you haven't really, you're not doing a lot of stuff in the gym, so it's more of just managing. I mean, I shouldn't be asking this after you just ran the Brisbane <laughs> Ultra 30K a week after a marathon. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm very conscious that that was a bad decision. Uh, and also, yeah, I, it's a bit unknown this next week. I'm going to treat this the same way. I'm basically treating this as the same recovery that I required after the marathon. Yeah. Um, yeah. From here on in, I'm basically, yeah, I'll probably just take two weeks of kind of easy well week one will be easy jogging yeah um, i'm not going to worry about any sessions no speed work uh and then next week i'll start to maybe gradually ease into a few um sort of light very light sessions but yeah. um <clears throat> just conscious of listening to my body and making sure that uh, if i do start to feel as though something's not right then really cut it back yeah definitely mate for sure i was going to ask you doing the um the aussies halves up there on the sunshine coast but that's the same day as the city to surf so you yeah, yeah. it's really devastating. I would have loved to have done that. I mean, yeah. um, I think in Queensland at the moment, we've got such a strong group of half marathon runners. Okay. And if everyone was around, yeah. uh, I think that we would have a really strong team. I think we'd been with a shot um, of the, the team's medal there with um, Kieran Perkins. He's just gone over to Dubai at the moment. So he's he's away for a good six months. Um, I'm going to be down in the city to surf. I heard uh, Louis, he was on a, 
another podcast um, after Gold Coast, and he mentioned that, yeah, probably one of his next events will be Cedar Surf as okay. well. So he's going to run Cedar Surf as opposed to that the half marathon champs. So I'm not sure what Tim Vincent's doing, but he's been running well as well. And uh, Liam Buden as well has just had a few absolute blinders in uh, the half marathon distance. So got a few um, distance running in Australia is just going going really well in in the male and the women. It's uh, it's really exciting. Jack Bruce as well. He's he's up in Queensland. He's had a few good halves too. So in training. You're always wearing that singlet. Tell me about that story. Yeah, well, when I was in uh, doing podiatry uh, second year, they so Steve Manning I mentioned before, Steve and Margot, they're the owners of the shop. Um, they're both podiatrists. Steve is also a, um, a lecturer at QUT, so he teaches the sports medicine units there. And um, a number of years there, they offered a scholarship to podiatry students where if you had an interest in sports medicine and sort of had a demonstrated um, performance in that area, then they would offer a scholarship to go and work at the store and they would cover the cost of like textbooks and provide you with um, mentoring and we got to uh, do some work in the orthotics lab there and one of the other things that I found really useful that we probably didn't do as much when I was doing podiatry was the footwear modification and footwear um, like just understanding the different shoes that were available and, and things that you could do to I guess with footwear prescription and adapting shoes to the unique um, features of of different athletes and so I applied for that and um, it got a, a job there and was working it in training for a few years and yeah Steve was great he just provided a lot of support and um, since then like they've got the the running club as well and both the shop and the club and the podiatry clinic they've been really supportive of me and um, you know they kind of help me out with shoes and things so it's uh, yeah it's my club it's the, the singlet that I'll wear at all my races. Yep major marathons you haven't done one? I, I didn't see any results. Yeah, I registered for Berlin um, okay. in 2020. Right. But uh, that obviously didn't happen. Yeah. Um, so I I would like to do a, an overseas marathon. Yeah. I think it's it's probably just been one of those things with COVID that I yeah, okay. really had a chance. Yeah. Um, I probably I would have looked at doing one. Yeah, I think it's probably just preparation time because there's a fair bit that goes in. Like you need to have pretty good advance notice and working out timings and things and it's also kind of getting a bit challenging now with the three kids and yeah, okay. uh, working out how we can get everyone across so you have sort of I goals think, i mean with the marathon you clearly want to see that that sub 220 but is are you looking any further than that well i think gold coast was really good just as a, I knew that I was going into it probably underprepared. Um, there was a lot of disruption to my marathon-specific build. I, originally, I wanted to get in some really good, consistent long runs, um, get my nutrition plan sorted, uh, do some marathon-specific sessions, but all three of those things uh, didn't really happen at all. I think I maybe had like three runs above 30 kilometres um, in the, the lead-up just because of injury sickness and also races like i was just doing i was racing um those uh brisbane half uh, lonnie 10k and then there was a 5k at um, seagate that i did so it was a good indicator to see where i was at as a baseline uh, gold coast and also just to remind myself what running a marathon is like and now that i've got that knowledge and that experience um i'm 
keen to put that to the test down in Melbourne. I know Melbourne's not like the fastest course, but it's not to say that you can't run fast times down there. Sure. Uh, I know a lot of guys have run pretty pretty quick down there, and for a long time, Melbourne was my uh, half marathon PB, and that was a reasonably windy day, and you know, you've got all those hills there. So I definitely think that I can get under that 220 at Melbourne, and then once I've run Melbourne, using that then as a stepping stone to target like maybe a fast overseas marathon and mm. really try to get the top down from there. Would you go go to Japan just because logistics are a little bit easier or you'd head to Europe? Yeah, probably, I think Japan would be good. Like I in 2019, um, because I was, there was a, a, they've got an exchange with Gold Coast between Kobe and, and Gold Coast Marathon where um, they send a, one runner from Queensland over there and runner from over there comes and it's Gold Coast. And I went over there on that exchange and, um, yeah, Kobe was a really good experience. I was injured going in, so I didn't really have a good run over there. But, yeah, I would like to target maybe one of their their big marathons. The only thing with um, the Japanese marathons is that I know that they just all go out so fast. Yeah. Even at Kobe, like <laughs> the first – I didn't even realise, but I – like I didn't look at my watch, but I made sure that I let – I knew that they were going to go out quick, so I let the first group go and I was kind of tucked in with the second group. And they were way up the, the road. And I looked at my watch in the first K and it was 2.59. Yeah. Uh, I'm just going, what is going on? Like it's <laughs> yeah. yeah, they had that reputation, was, that's for sure. Yeah, granted it was a slight downhill, I think, for the first. But, yeah, I don't know. I think, um, yeah, one of the Japanese marathons would be good. Yeah. Is, it, is Lake BY the one they canned? Oh, I, my knowledge of the overseas marathons is really awful. Yeah. I should know this. I'm pretty sure there's one I of the really Japanese know. marathons that they canned. I don't know if it's Lake BY. Maybe. Yeah, I think they canned one, but I think I heard something someone mentioned that one that they canned was back. But okay. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure. I need yeah. to look into it. Oh, well, you're running quick enough to get in there, so that, that's that's good. And usually the weather's good, and like I said, it's logistic is, you know, same time zone and it's a shorter flight, all those good things. Mm-hmm. All right, Aiden, that's a wrap, mate. Thanks heaps for your time on a Sunday, Arvo. No worries. Thanks for the chat. It's been good. No, it's been good, mate. Multi fine run up on the Gold Coast again and uh, your little uh, jog around the hills yesterday. Um, yeah. Hope the body Cheers, pulls up, mate. Thanks. If you're ever in Brisbane, yeah, give us a shout and let us know, and we'll go for a run. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll come and say good day. I'll, I'll be doing the city surf, and I'll, I'll be easily be able to spot you. Fantastic. Look forward to it. I'll see you then. All right, Aiden. Thanks a lot, mate.